you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 US only. Welcome back, watch people. Now, this is the video that I've kind of been looking forward to making, but I've also been a little bit hesitant uh, because it obviously it brings back so many painful memories, um, so many difficult memories in all honesty, um, but it's a video that needs to be made. It needs to be aired to the world. Um, and really, this is the finale, if you like. This is part three, robbery three. Uh, the worst of all, um, in my opinion, for, for, for reasons that will become obvious as we go along. Now look, this isn't going to be a short video, this is going to be, you know, in my terms, a feature length one if you like. So you're going to have to bear with me, I think you're going to find this immensely interesting. Probably a video that's best left for when you've got, you know, some time to spare and you're sitting down with a cup of tea or whatever. Um, and, you know, even this late in the day in July 2019, I still haven't given up hope on bringing these people one day maybe to justice. Um, my watch is still out there, they're still out there, uh, and the painful memories are obviously still very fresh in my mind. Um, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take you right back to the very beginning of this story. Robbery number three, the worst of the incidents. Um, you've, you've seen robberies one and two, no doubt. This is the finale, this is the, um, and this is the start of when I realised that the time was slowly coming to an end, that I needed to get out of this business before someone killed me. Um, so this is um, a painful story, but it's a very interesting one. Um, I hope you enjoy watching it. And if anyone out there to this day has any information that could help, please contact me and um, I'd be immensely grateful. So let's go back to the very beginning. Uh, Thursday, August the 14th, 2014 was a day that was pretty uneventful in the shop in general. I think we've been fairly quiet that day. It was a uh, a mixture of sun and rain it was a typical sort of uh, august british late summer's afternoon if you like and um, my young nephew who at the time i think was 20 maybe 21 um had been working for me for a short while to to learn the business etc um very nice young lad very uh, polite and um you know non-threatening sort of person um and i'd sort of taken him under my wing was teaching him the business and um you know everything was going quite well when it was a thursday a Thursday afternoon, we used to close the shop at four o'clock um, on a regular basis. And we locked up um, as usual at 4 p.m. And before I go any further, I need to thank Adam for uh, allowing me to, to make this video as well because um, he uh, bought my business from me. He took over the shop in, I think it was 2015. Um, and thanks to, thanks to Adam um, for allowing me to, uh, to, to, to make this film. Um, so it was Thursday afternoon, four o'clock. We left the shop, we locked up as usual, and we took the short walk from my shop down the old part of town, the old high street, um, and into Portland Road, which is about 50 or 60 yards away from uh, where my shop was located. Uh, I remember it had been raining and I was holding an umbrella, uh, but it wasn't up. It was just literally um, in my hand, as it were, quite a, a big gentleman's umbrella. And um, we was walking back to the car and just chatting about the business and the day in general. Um, totally uneventful sort of uh, two-minute walk back to the car. 
where my car was parked. And um, I do vaguely remember a motorcycle passing me on my left hand side as we made our way back to the car but it, it obviously didn't register in my mind there was no reason for it to register in my mind it was you know it was just a motorcycle passing me in the road <clears throat> as um we got back to where my car was parked the very last thing that i remember doing was putting my hand in my pocket to get my keys out um, and i went to hit the remote control and as i hit the remote control uh, an almighty crash uh, came at the back of my head and round to the side of my face it kind of seemed to start at the back of my head but worked its way around to the front of my jaw um, and I was completely stunned it's the most bizarre thing most bizarre thoughts go through your mind when something like that happens uh, my initial thought was why did you do that to me I was thinking that it was my nephew that had done it because there was no one else around uh, and my initial thought, I remember, as as I sort of felt this almighty crash on the back of my head, I thought, why would you do that to me? I'm your uncle, you know, and it, it, obviously it wasn't him. Um, in that split second, I'd, I'd obviously opened the car because he had virtually got into the vehicle. So he sort of ha kind of had one leg inside the car as the attack uh, started to take place. Um with that, I obviously, uh, I went down from the blow. Um, and at that stage, I was pretty much unconscious or semi-unconscious. I don't actually remember hitting the floor. So I must have lost consciousness for a brief second at least. Um, my nephew had seen what had happened, had jumped out of the car uh, and came to my defence. Um, and these attackers, there were actually two of them. So one of them initially approached us and the other one who had been waiting in the car park opposite had come out of the car park, parked his motorcycle right next to where the attack was taking place and was sat on the bike ready for a getaway. But once my nephew had um, came to my defense, the second attacker also jumped off his motorcycle in the process dropping the bike. Um, he uh, then came to his colleague's defence and they proceeded to um, give my young nephew a pretty good beating. Um, they were both big guys, big powerful men, both wearing crash helmets. At least one of them had some kind of weapon because he'd used it on me. Um, and they proceeded to, to give, um, give my nephew all I can describe really as a, an unnecessary beating. Uh, they fractured his jaw, um, broke a numerous amounts of teeth. Uh, he had a fractured nose um, and pretty bad concussion. He was also knocked unconscious. Um, and he was unconscious for a lot longer than I was because by, I think by the end of that attack, I mean, I was probably, I don't know, but I was probably unconscious or semi-conscious at least for around 30 seconds, 30 to 40 seconds, maybe a minute, I'm not sure. But when I came round, my natural instinct was to jump up. I instantly jumped up, couldn't see my nephew anywhere. I didn't even look for him, to be honest. I was just still in a state of utter confusion. So I jumped up um, and realised, had realised what was taking place and started my fight back, if, if that's what you can call it. You know, it was a pretty poor effort. You know, I'm... You know, I was in my mid-50s. These were two young, powerful guys, both with weapons, both with crash helmets. I mean, it was a futile exercise, in all honesty. 
but my natural instinct was to to take the fight to them um, and as I approached one of them he put his arm in his jacket um, and started to reveal what I thought I think was a machete I, I I can't swear to it being a machete but I think it was or if it wasn't a machete it would have been a club something like that at which point I backed away and I just thought this is crazy there's nothing I can do here and I do remember at that stage one of them shouting out the other one's name three times um, yeah three times he shouted out his name because I was on the on the attack if you like um, and he was gonna want help from his friend um, and I remember the name I remember him shouting the name three times and I'm thinking I must remember that name I must remember that name and to this day I cannot remember it just shows the state of my mind at that particular point um, and I've never ever recalled that name and he, he shouted it three times in the space of a couple of seconds um, which you can imagine is pretty annoying and frustrating to be honest you know I'm thinking that one day it'll just come to me but now after all this time I very much doubt it and even if it did I, I'd wonder if it was a trick of my imagination to be fair so anyway with that they tried to remount their motorcycle they picked up their motorcycle um, but it had flooded or some damage had occurred in the uh, process of him dropping the bike to get off and come to his friend's aid so the bike now wouldn't start and um, I'm I'm considering at this stage a further assault if you like a further go at self-defense or I don't know what was going through my mind I'm mad really but luckily enough a, 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 someone got in my way a car had pulled up with a gentleman probably in his 60s had pulled up and was sitting there witnessing the whole thing and I've got to be honest if I'm frank I'm annoyed with this guy because he didn't call the police he didn't attempt to uh, make any intervention with his car you know he could have uh, maybe I don't know maybe not he didn't want him to get involved as such but instead of just looking looking and watching and being a voyeur you know he could have called the police which he didn't do instead he just ridiculously sat there and watched the whole thing and even when they came around to his door he didn't lock his door he just sat there they opened his door, threw him out of the car um, and hijacked his car. And that's probably being a little bit unfair to the guy um, that was in the vehicle. But I think your, your first instinct, if you're witnessing an attack like that, would be to lock your own door or to uh, back up a little bit to give yourself some distance. Um, but he didn't. He just sat there um, and watched as a spectator. And uh, he paid the price because they, they pulled him out of the car violently threw him to the ground um, and stole his vehicle to make their getaway, leaving their stolen motorcycle at the scene. Um, they drew, drove back up Portland Road, back up towards my shop, um, towards the old part of town. When they got to the corner of Portland Road, a lorry had pulled round. Um, and you'll see in the video that I'm going to pull up, uh, a van pulled round uh, pretty much in the same area of which the lorry pulled around into blocking the escape route of the guys in the car so they decided to squeeze in between they mounted the pavement and, and spun around that corner at high speed narrowly missing a young mother with um, a youngster in a pushchair um, which god forbid would have just turned the whole day into a complete disaster um, thankfully thank god they missed her um, but obviously that really frightened her and put her in an awful position 
Um, thank God that child was okay. And they, they turned right and made their way up towards Forest Row. And then they started to head north back up towards their ultimate, uh, where their getaway car was, was waiting. Now, obviously, during this time, the police had been called. Um, I was in um, a pretty bad state. Uh, I had um, a lot of teeth missing and um, a, a, a really bad pain in the side of my neck here. Uh, and, a, and a lump was appearing on the back of my head, but also one on the front of my head, which I couldn't really understand because I didn't recall receiving any blows to the front of my head. Um, but that would be apparent later why that occurred. So the police arrived um, with a very laid back attitude um, as if it was, you know, I'd reported maybe a, a minor shoplifting offence. Um, oddly enough, the first thing that they did when they got there, they, they swabbed my hands um, and they told me that um, that was for evidence. Um, but I told them that as far as I'm aware, I hadn't actually physically touched these guys. Um, but I understood that they were swabbing my hands potentially for DNA or for evidence, etc. Um, I think the truth of the matter is they'd actually swabbed my hands to see if I'd used a weapon myself of any type. God knows what that was all about. I had no explanation to that at any stage later on in the inquiry or the investigation. Um, I an ambulance had been called obviously um, I needed to go to hospital um, and my nephew definitely needed to go to hospital I think he was in a you know a worse condition than I he was had, had been unconscious for some time and I was very concerned for his well-being um, I had called my wife and she was on the way to the scene and when she arrived, I'd never seen her in such a state. Um, and it was a, an emotional moment, to be honest, when she arrived. Um, my nephew was taken away in an ambulance. I refused to go because I wanted to stay at the scene and speak to the police. Um, I really should have gone and eventually went later that day. Um, and my nephew um, was taken away immediately. We were both covered in blood. Uh, I was bleeding heavily from the mouth and from the nose. Uh, my nephew was also bleeding um, from a lot of places. I don't really know because I don't remember actually seeing him too well, but we've got his shirt um, afterwards that uh, he was wearing um, during the attack, which I'll, I'll pop up in the, in the video. Um, so he was obviously in a real mess. Um, now, what happened then is that these guys made their way back down uh, towards the M25, which is, if anyone doesn't know the M25, it's London's orbital motorway. So if you can imagine a circle, that's the uh, M25 and London is plonked directly in the middle of that circle. So this, this motorway does the entire um, circumference of London. Um, and it's a major motorway, millions of cars every day. Um, one of the most policed motorways in the country, one of the most cameraed motorways in the country. Now, they headed back towards that motorway in their hijacked vehicle, which obviously wasn't their plan. They planned to be on a motorbike. So the journey back to uh, to meet their accomplice, a third accomplice, at uh, a car park in a place called Tilbursto Hill Road, uh, or Tilbursto Hill, um, it's actually Rabies Heath Road, but the car park is called Tilbursto Hill Car Park. Um, their accomplice was waiting there to make their uh, last journey of their getaway. And we have a very tight uh, time schedule here. The robbery took place at about five past four. By the time they got back to, to Tilburstow, it would have been about 25 past there or thereabouts. 
and by the time they exited that car park and made their way back to junction six of the m25 it would have been about 4:30, give or take five minutes at the most um, and we have a witness at Tilburstow Hill car park who saw the perpetrators enter the car park at high speed tires smoking those were his words um, exiting the vehicle the hijacked vehicle and then making their getaway in a black BMW X6 which to this day we firmly believe and have no reason to disbelieve or have any other belief whatsoever other than that was one of their own vehicles that black BMW X6 was one of the robbers own personal vehicles with their own personal registration number now the BMW X6 black in 2014 wasn't the most popular car in the world it was there wasn't thousands of them on the road um, even today you can drive around in the UK probably for an entire day and not necessarily see a black BMW X6 you might see one or two but it's not a car that is overly common and there certainly were few of them around in 2014 and there are now um, ironically there was another coincidence that day um, one of my daughter's friends journey home from work um, bought uh, past that car park that uh, that afternoon and um, she told my daughter the day after in a completely irrelevant conversation that she uh, had a narrow escape a near miss the day before as she came home from work um, a car a black BMW pulled out in front of her from Tilburstow Hill car park uh, and she had to swerve and nearly crashed into it um, and just by sheer coincidence she was also a witness to the getaway without even knowing that it was involved in uh, her friend's dad's robbery which is very relevant because the police this will all come become clear as we go through the video now at this stage I was expecting a much more serious response from the police um, a much more um, in-depth inquiry I thought this time they've really got to get their teeth into this they've got to catch these guys um, something has to be done um, I've made plenty of noise before um, both privately and publicly um, about the police's lack of professionalism and their lack of help and investigations into the robberies at my shop but I thought this time would be different little did I know it was actually going to turn out to be even worse now let's go back to the very beginning uh, at the, of the robbery as I left my shop. There is an office block on the corner of Portland Road um, that has a CCTV camera available to them. Um, they had CCTV of the guy on the motorbike making his way uh, down to the car park opposite the car park where my car was uh, located. Um, and I had spoken to them on the corner in the office and said, do you have any CCTV? They said, yes, they found the, 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 the relevant CCTV that we needed. I contacted the police and told them um, that the CCTV was, was there, ready and available for them to go and view. Um, I didn't want to give them the opportunity of not asking for it themselves, so I made sure that it was there, available and ready for them to collect. About a month after the robbery, uh, the people from the office called me and asked me, look do I want this CCTV because they otherwise they're going to throw it away or it's going to get lost and I said have the police not collected it and they said no they haven't been to see us they haven't spoken to us at all which came as a big disappointment but I can't say I was overly surprised um, so there was one complaint that I made to the police with regards to this this uh, lack of investigation after the robbery secondly they never interviewed my daughter's friend um, they never actually interviewed her as a witness 
and I phoned them again and again and again and encouraged them to speak to uh, to this lady. And um, eventually they did call her, really only because I pestered the life out of them about speaking to her. Um, I asked her, what, how did the conversation go? She said they sounded very uninterested. After a few basic questions, the whole conversation lasted like less than 30 seconds and that was it. Make of that what you will. But my biggest beef and my biggest issue with the police regarding that final robbery at my shop or out or close to my shop and i think you're going to get this this is where they really failed in their duty of care um, it didn't take sherlock holmes to solve this crime it didn't need inspector cluso the keystone cops would have got their teeth into this one and brought these guys to justice we have a very very short time span here we are talking between 25 minutes past four 25 minutes to five a 10 minute time gets uh, a 10 minute time span where we know that that black bmw was at junction six of the m25 that's a fact we know this for 100 percent for sure i called the police and said look all you need to do is look at the cctv at, um, of the cameras at junction six of the m25 they have apnr systems which means they are number plate recognition systems then the, the apnr camera system in the uk can tell you exactly who that car belongs to um, you haven't even got to go to the dvla or to records to to find it they it tells you immediately i said look you guys can find these people in 30 seconds flat all you need to do is go look at the cctv catch the black bmw um, at uh, junction six around 4 30 and you have the answer, you have a name, you have an address, you have an identification. The police told me that there were no cameras at Junction 6 of the M25, which I found truly remarkable and unbelievable. You can't go anywhere on the M25 without being um, caught on camera. There's probably not an inch of the M25 motorway that is not under CCTV. Um, so, with that explanation, I went down to Junction 6 my, uh, myself the next day and took photographs of six cameras, one more than one for each junction, uh, for each exit at the, uh, at the junction of the M25 there. I took some pictures, um, emailed them off to the police uh, and said to them, look, what are you talking about? How can you tell me that you have no cameras at Junction 6? Here's the evidence, here are six. Will you please look at these? look at the cctv from between 25 past 4 5 and 20 at 5 on on this afternoon and you will have your man um, they then told me that the cameras that they were sorry they've made a mistake there were cameras at junction 6 of the m25 but none of them were apparently working that afternoon i mean look if this wasn't true you wouldn't believe me. And even if you didn't believe me now, you know what? It's so unbelievable. I wouldn't blame you for disbelieving me. Can you imagine? This is the third robbery now. Can you imagine how I'm feeling? Can you imagine what's going through my family's minds? Can you imagine our disgust and disappointment at our police forces? So what about the motorcycle that was left at the scene of the robbery? Well, that went away apparently for DNA analysis um, we was told that there was no DNA or any clues left um, on the bike. That didn't surprise me because in a previous investigation, I was told that DNA analysis um, is very expensive and the police didn't have the resources, financial resources, to continually um, carry out tests on, on, 
items that were left at the scene. Um, again, massively disappointed and hugely unbelievable. So the fact that they told me they found no DNA um, on the motorcycle came as no real surprise, even if it was a disappointment. But here again is where our police force let us down. Remember, I told you that my nephew's shirt was covered in blood. Remember that we still have that shirt. Um, remember that uh, that shirt came into very close contact with both of the attackers as my nephew put up a pretty decent struggle with these guys. The police never ever took that shirt to analyze for DNA. They refused to take it. They never took it. We requested that they take it time and time and time again for DNA analysis. First they said they would, then they said they wouldn't. Then they ignored us, then they ignored my emails, then they ignored my phone calls. I was told that I'd watched too much television and that the shirt was very unlikely to reveal any uh, DNA that would be worthwhile um, for the investigation. That shirt to this day, some four years later almost, is still in a plastic bag in possession of my nephew and has never been examined by the police. Now incredibly, even after all that, I still tried to stay in contact with the police. I asked for meetings and eventually was granted a meeting with three senior police officers from West Sussex Police. And I took along a local councillor with me who was well respected in the town. He had um, inroads with the local MP um, and he came with me to basically to be a witness. So I lost all trust in the police. I didn't um, trust them for one minute, what they were capable of saying. They'd proven themselves to be liars. Um, they've proven themselves to be lazy in their investigations and they've already proven themselves to be wholly unprofessional. Um, so I took along the local councillor who um, was there basically just to protect my interest and make sure that uh, what was being said was on record and witnessed. Um, and they were very good again at paying me lip service. They apologised and they told me that they'd made every, every effort to catch these people. And when I confronted them about the shirt and the witnesses, uh, they just batted me away with more lip service and this was clearly going nowhere uh, and I remember uh, towards the end of the meeting just getting up and walking out and just saying look this is a waste of my time um, this is going nowhere now sometime after this had all died down and obviously it's still fresh in my mind but um, some months later Something occurred to me, um, and I, I don't want to go into this part too deeply because this potentially is still part or could be part of an ongoing investigation. Something came to me one day, um, and I have a very credible suspect for this robbery, someone who I believe I know their identity, I believe they had the means, I believe they had the motive. Um, and I telephoned the police and said that um, something could come to light, something had been said, I'd heard something, um, I'd been told something, and when I put it together in my mind, it made complete sense um, and I think I now know the person that was behind um, this robbery. I don't believe he was there, but I believe that he was the one that gave me up. I believe that he was the man that um, organized this robbery. He was the mastermind. Um, and I called the police. I spoke to the detective in charge of the investigation, who is wholly uninterested, by the way, or appeared wholly uninterested. Um, was quite rude to me in all honesty and I told him that um, I believed I knew the identity of the mastermind behind this robbery and he told me to bring him evidence. Um, he said he couldn't just act upon me giving him a name and to this day I, I, 
it's truly unbelievable and remarkable the conversation that we had that day. Uh, I've already said, he told me that I've been watching too much television and that uh, I needed to bring the police evidence. For them to make any further investigations, I needed to bring them evidence. And I remember my answer to him was, well, look, I do watch TV. I watch crime watch. I watch crime programs where the police put out appeals to give them information, no matter how insignificant they may feel it might be. Um, any information that could help the inquiry and that is what I'm, I'm giving you and he said to me it's, it's just no good you have to bring us more than that I said well I'm bringing you a name and I thought that as the police it was your job to create the evidence not mine to bring it to you now at this stage it had become completely and painfully clear that West Sussex police had, had got no intentions of taking these investigations any further they had no will, no inclination, no enthusiasm, um, and the lack of professionalism was just mind-boggling. It was clear to me and my family that it was time not only to leave the shop, but also to leave the town, um, to sell up, to move my family away, where we were no longer safe, where we had no protection. Um, and it was time for me to give up the business. Um, and that is basically the start of the end of my career as a watch dealer. The mental effects um, of an attack like that are pretty awful, um, but I'm a London lad, I can live with it. Um, I've seen worse, you know, it's, it, it didn't affect me um, as much as it affected my family. I actually went to work the very next day. Um, I was determined not to let them beat me. Um, yes, I'd lost uh, a watch that had cost me £47,500. This was my Holy Grail watch. And there's probably people out there thinking, well, if you can afford to spend £47,500 on a watch, then it's no big deal, you deserve it. Um, the, the problem is, and the caveat to that is that being a watch dealer, I could afford to buy a watch that I wanted to, to own. It was my Holy Grail watch. It was an itch that I wanted to scratch. And I knew that I could buy that watch for £47,500 and sell it in the future for the same money. So in actual fact, all I was doing really was loaning money from my business um, for the period. Now, if you want to rub salt in the wound, how about that? I mean, my philosophy with a watch like that is you buy it, you immediately advertise it for sale for what you paid for it. Um, and if it takes six months to sell, then you've owned your Grail watch for six months. You've scratched that itch, haven't you? Um, and ultimately you get your money back. So all you've done is you've lent yourself some money for a while, you've got that watch out of your system and happy days, you get your money back and you're back to square one. Well, that watch was advertised for um, quite a, a fair period. And about a week um, before the robbery, I had a gentleman call me um, to show some interest in it. Um, and um, he, he, I told him about the watch, explained everything to him. He didn't call me back um, and that had completely gone out of my mind. Um, about two weeks after the robbery, he phoned back and told me that he decided to buy it. <laughs> so that was kind of salt in the wound, um, if you like. But there you go. I mean, that's that's you know that's just another part of the story. So where is that watch today, and what happened to the people that I believe were behind the robbery? Well, the guy who I believe to have masterminded um, this robbery has never been seen since. Um, he completely disappeared off the radar 
after that robbery, which only firms up my belief that he was indeed behind it. Now, this and this was someone that was known within the watch business as well. So he just completely disappeared off the radar, which only really, you know, firms up my belief that he had something to do with it. Um, as for the watch itself, you know, I'll put up details, I'll put up pictures. Um, I'll also put up the serial number of the watch. That watch is still out there. It's never been recovered. Um, and to this day, who knows, it probably found its way abroad. Um, and I would imagine that somewhere around the world today, some poor innocent soul is wearing that watch, never knowing how it was stolen or in which fashion it was stolen. Um, something came back to me um, some days after the robbery because uh, obviously I was knocked unconscious and I didn't recall this. This is something that came back to me at a later date. I did remember the guy lifting up my wrist, taking my watch off my wrist and saying to me, give me that watch um i remember that now uh, and it came back to me a few days after uh, and remember i said i had a big lump on the front of my head and a painful area on the other side to where the impact took place and what that turned out to be was that whatever he hit me with and it was something probably long uh, we don't know because it curved around from the back of my head to the front of my jaw um, it caused what's known as a hematoma and that is basically all the blood and blood vessels and everything moving dramatically it's like whiplash inside your body it moves from one side to the other and I had a hematoma like a like a cricket ball on the side of my face and the lump on my head I, I couldn't still couldn't make out where that had come from and weeks later I was looking at my car and I'm looking at the door of my car and I thought looks like somebody's kicked a football at my at my door there's a big dent in 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 the door of my car uh, and then I realized that when the guy had hit me from the back I'd gone forward and hit my head on the car door and that's how the damage to the door had occurred and that's how I got the lump on the head so that explained that one um, from a physical point of view um, I went for uh, a full dental examination as you can all tell by my teeth these are not my original teeth um, you know without pulling this is going to sound like you know I'm pulling on heartstrings but this is true one of my lifelong ambitions was always to have my teeth um, done, veneers, etc., etc., um, and I'd save pretty hard to to eventually fulfil that ambition. And I had that done in I think about 2012. The work started and it finished in 2013. It was a lot of work and a lot of money. The attack uh, caused me massive problems because um, as they hit me, I went for a. Uh, there was four or five teeth missing. Um, and a couple that were loose so I went for a dental examination the following day uh, and after the x-rays were taken because all my teeth were porcelain um, unfortunately every single tooth in my mouth had been broken or shattered and would need replacing um, and I don't even want to tell you what the repair bill came to um, I'll show you a picture in the up in the screen in a minute it's not a particularly pleasant picture so if you've got any kids around or you're a bit squeamish you might want to look away when this pops up um, this actually isn't my mouth it's a picture of someone else's but this is very much um, what this side the uh, right hand side forget the left hand side but this is very much gives you an idea of what my mouth looks like under these teeth um, and to this day I still have problems I've got four teeth up here right now that really need to come out, be removed, and I need more implants. And it's all um, a, a long, the long-term effect of what took place that day. So financially, the impact not only 
Did I lose a watch that cost £47,500 that we lost from the business? Um, the dental repairs and the ongoing work and the ongoing problems that it's caused me, um, believe it or not, don't come to much less than the loss of the watch. Trust me, um, that sort of dental work is extremely expensive. So the loss to me and my family has been absolutely immense, but one that the police felt was uh, just another day in the business in the life of a watch dealer. So at the end of this video, it's quite quite difficult for me to say I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, like I said at the start, it's a difficult video for me to make. Um, there are always things coming back into my mind and if I've omitted anything that I think is important, I might drop this in, you know, drop some comments in along the way somewhere. So many events took place. Um, my mind was all over the place, as you might imagine. Um, to this day, if there was one thing that I could resolve in my life, if there's one issue that I'd like to put to bed in my mind, it is that one. Forget the first two robberies. You know, I've accepted they were what they were. I've accepted the um, the response of the police. Um, I'm still very disappointed with them to this day. Uh, I, I have to say that whilst I remain a total and utter advocate and supporter of law and order, um, I am no longer a, uh, have any belief in our police services I'm afraid that's long gone um, and I hope you'll forgive me and understand why I feel that way um, it's, it's just obviously I've had a bad experience not once not twice but three times um, so I don't think anyone can blame me for let's just say I'm not their biggest supporter um, but at the same time I wish none of them ill um, and obviously you know in general they do a much needed and uh, you know I say between gritted teeth. I guess they do a good job in many instances, but um, they have certainly let me down. Right now, you can get both Sprint's Unlimited plan and the brilliant iPhone XR included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and an 18-month lease. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after 16-25 month credit. Apply within two bills or canceled early. Remain balance due and limited basic after 9-30-20. Pay $32 per month per line without a pay. Take a deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply. Man, how can you afford gas for that big SUV? I pay less for gas than everyone else. I got the free GetUpside Gas app and get up to 25 cents a gallon cash back every time I buy gas. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're getting up to 25 cents off a gallon with the free GetUpside Gas app while I'm paying full price? You know it. People earned over a million dollars last year. You just got to take a picture of your gas receipt and bam, up to 25 cents a gallon cash back. You don't have to tell me twice. I'm downloading the free GetUpside Gas app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code NEXT for a 20-cent gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 45 cents a gallon on your next tank. Just download the free GetUpside app at the App Store or Google Play and use promo code NEXT. Save money on gas on every fill-up. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code NEXT. That's N-E-X-T.